this is Tracy. And this is Sheila, and we are as Bi-Fat Chicks. And this week's episode is all about sake. We're going to taste a bunch of different sakes and tell you what they taste like. And Sheila is going to regale you with information <laughs> about sake. She is totally the sake expert. I am totally not the sake expert. I just like to drink it. And then we're also going to talk about one of the Oishinbo books. Those of you who've been listening for a while will know that we've reviewed several of the Oishinbo books. It's a Japanese manga that talks about Japanese food. Uh, we have gotten translations in the North American continent that are, it's called Oishinbo a la carte, and it's a collection of Oishinbo manga comics that are uh, centered around one topic. Mm-hmm. In this particular episode, we're going to talk about the sake book because we're drinking sake. Yes. So why don't we taste one, and then you can give us some more background information about sake sure. and we c- I'll work on preparing the other one. Okay. So the first thing that we're tasting is Shochinko Bai and this is one of Japan's big brands. It won the gold award for the US National Sake Appraisal in 2011. Uh, it's 15% alcohol. This particular sake is brewed by uh, Takura or sorry, Takara Saki. And we'd just like to say right now, neither one of us speak Japanese, so we're probably mangling the words. I'm going to try my best. Yes. But if you want to correct our pronunciation, you're not going to hurt our feelings. Mm-hmm. As with anything that we podcast about, we're not really experts. We we're just hobbyists. Really, we're hobbyists and we really like it a lot. So if you're Japanese and we're mangling your language, please send us an email and correct us. You can send mm-hmm. it to chicks at gmail.com. So first of all, um, there's this big thing between the do you hate sake, do you not. We're proponents firmly in the corner of drink it how you like it. There are some sakis that are okay to be drunk warm. It depends on the season. It depends on the type of sake. And then there's some that you're supposed to drink chilled or at room temperature. So the first thing that we're going to do is try the Shochiko Bai at room temperature. And then I've also got a carafe of it warming because it's one of the big brands that usually benefits from being warmed. Mm-hmm. It's got a floral bit of a note here. If you hear horrible sniffing, that's not me sniffing my sake. That's the dog we are podcasting from home right now. But the dog is very kawaii. He is very kawaii. It smells like sake to me. Yes. It's sake to me. This is the uh, word of the average Joe or Joette. Not somebody who has a really good taster. Sake to me smells, has a, its own scent. Yeah. It doesn't smell like anything else I've ever had. It can only be described as smelling like sake. Exactly. But it smells like sake. That's good. It doesn't smell burny. It doesn't no. smell like high alcohol. Like, you know how you get some uh, white wines that have a really alcohol smell to them? Right. It doesn't Or happen. cheap vodka will have that. It'll yes. burn your nostril hairs off. Totally. But for something that's 15% alcohol compared to a 15% alcohol wine, you don't get the same boozy smell off of it. Mm. So let's give this a try. Pretty mellow, actually. That is really mellow. Hmm. This tastes almost like the uh, hokusuru, mm-hmm. or hukusuru, um, stuff that we normally get after it's been heated. Yeah. So I'm kind of curious to see how the heating oh. it's going to affect the flavor. This is really good. It's um really mellow. And yeah, it's it, very smooth and delicate. Yeah, it kind of rolls off the tongue as a flavor as opposed to attacking it like some of the, the stronger sakis or of lesser quality sakis that mm-hmm. we've had. Very interesting. Do you want to try it heated now? Mm-hmm. Do you want to use the same glass since we're in the heat? Yeah, we can use yeah. the same glass. Okay. It's the same brand, so. So I'm going to go grab the heated sake, and Sheila's going to tell you a little bit about exactly what sake is, because that is definitely something she's really good at. <laughs> sake doesn't really fit into the wine category neatly, although that's often where it's put. Usually they say it's rice wine, but that's not exactly true, because it's not made with wine yeast. It's made with this stuff called koji, 
which is a mold that produces alcohol that grows on rice. And one of the first places that sake was produced was in ancient China. And like anything, the Japanese took it and kind of Japanified it and brought it to a level of perfection in their own way. One of the creation stories of sake was that somebody made a bunch of boiled rice or steamed rice, put it in a barrel, forgot about it, came back later, saw that it had been spoiled, didn't do anything about it, just kind of shoved it to the back and forgot about it again. And when he came back, it was sake. And early sakis were actually eaten rather than drank. Because the koji was on it, and you figured, well, hey, we get a little bit of a buzz if we eat this. Away you go. And now in medieval Japan, they did things like, you know how they have the grape stomping thing with peasants? Well, they had the young girls chewing rice up and spitting it into a barrel. And that chewing action actually their enzymes in their mouth broke down the rice into simple sugars, which then the koji could go to town on. <laughs> so it's kind of like honey. Produced by people instead of bees. Yes, because honey's just bee barf. Kind of. Yes. <laughs> but they weren't really barfing, so, they were just chewing it and spitting it. Medieval sake was Japanese virgin honey. honey. <laughs> <laughs> so now we're going to try the, uh, let me see the label on this, the show Chiku Bai, and it's heated. I can actually smell the alcohol now that it's hot this time. It's not as nice. Mm. It's got more of a raw alcohol oh, flavor. It's really harsh now. Ah. <laughs> oh, that's not good at all. That's not good eats. No, it tastes horrible now. It tastes almost bitter. Yeah. It's it, hitting the same parts of my tongue that like something sour would or bitter. Yeah, Yeah, it does have a very... Oh, let, let me dump that out for you. Don't drink that. <laughs> Offer it to the dead homies. I don't know. <laughs> Here's our dead homies. All right. So... So that was a horrible, horrible mistake, and we'll never do that again. So, show Chico by best served at room temperature. Maybe even with a slight chill on it. Definitely. So I didn't mean to interrupt your sake history, but I was excited because it was warm enough to try, and now I, I'm horribly disappointed that it was... That it was warm enough to try? <laughs> yeah. Woo. Now we're going by totally on our opinion. Mm -hmm. You may enjoy that taste, but it definitely is not to our taste. Yeah. And we both made the same face at the same time, which was pretty memorable. I know you can't see it because it's a podcast, but that was awesome. We just sip. Oh. I so, felt bad for it. Back to the Japanese virgins chewing and spitting rice. Yes. So then you get up to the wartime. Because um, really, sake making didn't really change too much. They, the Industrial Revolution did help that along. But during World War II, that's when you come with this... Uh, it's discussed in the Oishimbo book a lot that they would actually stretch the amount of sake that they could make from a certain amount of rice by making the sake and then diluting it with alcohol. And that led to a bunch of, a slew of low quality sakis that you could get three times as much sake out of one batch than you normally could get. Now Tracy's opening up the Namacho from Izumi, which is actually brewed right here in Toronto. Going back to what I was saying before, it's not really a wine. It's not really... A beer. I mean, it's made out of grains, so you could almost classify it as a beer. It's a bine. <laughs> yeah, it's made, it can be aged, kind of like wine, so, but it's not either. It's its its own thing. Now, we've talked about Izumi before. Uh, we've been there. It's in the historic distillery district in Toronto. If you go there, you can do a flight of sake where you get to try a bunch of different sakes, including their most recently pressed sake. Uh, you also have the option to buy one of the souvenir glasses there. So we're drinking our Izumi sake out of our Izumi glasses. Yay! Exactly. Um, and one of the things I'd highly suggest is if you're local, get on their mailing list because they let you know when they're 
have fresh pressed sake available because they'll set aside a certain amount for drinking immediately. Mm -hmm. And then they'll also have the non-pasteurized stuff and then they'll have a certain amount that they actually pasteurize and send to the LCBO. Now this one is also 15% alcohol and we're not going to heat this up or any of the sakis we have after this point up. Mm -hmm. We're going to drink them cold because we know these are ones that are recommended to drink cold anyway. But if you like heated sake, by all means, go yeah. crazy. I'm not going to tell you how to drink no. it, but this is how I would suggest that you drink it. Yeah. No, our go-to sake that we get is kind of our, I, guess, I don't want to say house sake, but what we get if we're going to be entertaining just because it's affordable, but it's still good. The Hakatsuru? Yeah, it's Japanese for crane. Mm -hmm. And it's got a, an orange label on it and a big white stylized crane. That one we do prefer uh, hot as opposed to chilled. So that's when we always heat up. It does the exact opposite of what the show Chikuba just did, which was like, horrible heated up, harsh heated up, but mellow not. The Hakatsuru is harsh if you don't heat it up, and once you heat it up, it mellows out. Yeah. That's one that definitely benefits from, yeah. from being... Uh, so being heated. this has something else in the background when you smell it. The uh, the Azumi Namacho. Chrysanthemums. Is it? it I don't know. Really, it does have that. It does have that floral scent. Because you can barely smell it when you smell mm -hmm. it. So bottoms up. Kanpai. Kanpai. Delicious as oh, always. It's tangy and it almost tastes like white wine with that hint of sake flavor to it. This is almost like a really mellow uh, Chardonnay. You get that kind of note that you get from Riesling. Mm-hmm. I can't quite put my finger on a descriptor for it. You see, to me, it tastes more like a an unoaked, mellow, really mellow Chardonnay. But it has that back taste to it. Like it's after like a you, the first taste, you have that sake flavor to the back of it. Mm. Which again, to me, I can only describe as a sake flavor. Mm. Uh, the closest I can come to describing or using anything else I've ever eaten or drank to describe sake is really good vodka. Mm. Sometimes tastes like really good sake. We're going to get back to that, too, when we start discussing Oishimbo. Awesome. Uh, now, one of the things I wanted to talk about, too, and I totally need a, a book for reference for this. I do apologize. Um, maybe someday I'll commit it to memory, but today is not that day. The different types of sake. When you read, go to the LCBO or you go to your liquor store and you're looking for sake, there's a couple of terms that you're going to want to keep in mind. And these describe the quality and the type of sake that you're buying. And the first word that I want you to learn is Jinmai Shu. It's J U N M A I S H U. Uh, sometimes, and this this is an older book from the 90s, and it actually has it uh, romanized as uh, Jumai, like with two M's instead of with an N. I just have to say for a second, you just made me feel old. This is an older book from the 90s. Thanks. Well, you know. <laughs> um, now all the good sakis are going to be made with only rice, koji rice, which is the rice that has the mold growing on it, and water. The lower quality sakis, which we have seen one at the LCBO, and that's that uh, snow firefly one mm -hmm. that I almost bought. If you flip that over and look at the back, that's uh, got uh, alcohol added to it. So that's one that's been thinned down. Like the old school post-war Yeah, like the post-World War II sake. Okay. Or uh, during World War II when, yeah, the, when the rice rations were going on. Now the main thing you want to remember about Jumai or Junmai, is that it's a great, good quality sake. Check it out. It's closest to the traditional sakis of the Edo period, and it's pretty popular. And whenever they take the rice that they're going to use to make the sake, they actually polish it because they figured out that if they kind of destroy the integrity of the rice grains, it comes out better because it's already pre-broken down. So 
you have to use more rice, but the stuff that you get out of it is much better. And the polishing the rice kind of happened during the industrialization of Japan in the 1800s. That's when they really kind of figured out how to get the most out of the rice to make the sake. And it's Junmai... Junmai Shu. Junmai Shu. Yep. Which is the same thing as... As the Azumi? This should be... Yeah. Junmai Sake. Mm. There is there at the top of the label. Okay, yeah. So that's what we're drinking right now, and that's pretty much what we're going to be drinking throughout here. Um, I'd love to do another show about some of the other types of sake, but right now, let's use this as an introduction. Because it's delicious. Mm -hmm. Now, what are some of the other types? Because you said there's the Junmai Shu. Then the next one I'm going to talk about is Hanjozu Shu, also called Honshikomai, or Hanzakuri. So if you're seeing a Han, H-O-N, prefix to a description or anasaki, you're going to want to kind of always turn around and look at the label. You want to only see rice, koji rice, or koji, and water. This is the kind that has, uh, there's no more than 120 liters of raw alcohol per metric ton of rice added, and no glucose. So that's the stuff that's it's the macro sake, I guess. The Budweiser sake. Yeah. Or, um, actually, it might be a little better to say, since there's some alcohol added, it's more like the sherry of sake. Or the yeah. port of sake. It's a little bit fortified, but it's not diluted down to where you're just drinking sake-flavored alcohol. Mm -hmm. Now, there are, there are regulations to this. They can't, the added alcohol can't exceed 10% of the total alcohol. So it's not going to be poor quality, but it's going to be a different experience. Mm -hmm. But just know that's what you're getting. Make sure that you're an informed consumer, right? And we haven't had any of those to the best of my knowledge yet. Yeah. So we're not going to say, well, obviously it's inferior quality because it's a cheaper product. Because we know from personal experience across life that you're going to run into some, some things that are technically of quote-unquote an inferior product that are just as good, if not better, than the high-class mm. stuff. Sometimes a greasy spoon is better than mm -hmm. a French bistro. Or in the case of cigars, we've run into some top-shelf cigars that haven't mm. been as good as some seconds from other companies or some of the quote-unquote lower-class cigars. The perfect example is Cubans. Everyone raves over Cuban cigars because they're forbidden, but we've had some pretty crappy Cubans, mm -hmm. totally legally, in Canada, and some really amazing Dominican cigars, which are kind of your run-of-the-mill, middle-of-the-road cigars, right? Yeah, we've had Dominicans that have blown the socks off some... Cuban old school makers because mm. you can always get a plugged batch or whatever but nonetheless just because it has some of the alcohol added to it if you want to try it don't let that dissuade you just be aware of what you're getting into yeah and now if you're trying to impress a sake snob you might want to stay away from it right the next one is the ginjo shu and that's a special type of junmai shu this one is where the rice is polished to no more than 60% of its original size. But the koji rice is actually polished even further. They're supposed to be the ultimate achievement in the brewer's art, and they're made in small quantities. They've got tastes of light-bodied, but they're not usually tart. Some critics complain that, as a defect, these sakis tend to taste too sweet. And they're also brewed with a different type of rice. I could bore you with going into the number batches of the yeast. Just know that it's, it's brewed with a different kind of yeast or koji. You see, I think I would actually like some of those, because like, I like a good Riesling. Mm -hmm. And Rieslings can tend to be a little bit sweeter, so it sounds like some of those would almost be like the Rieslings of sake. Yeah. And that actually, to me, sounds divine. I'd love yeah, to give those a shot. Yeah, they're supposed to be, they're labeled as dry, and uh, they have higher acidity and tire, higher amount of tartness. So mm. I think you would like the, uh, the Ginjo Shu, which again is just a type of Junmai Shu. So it's, uh, it's only made with mm -hmm. the rice, the koji, and the water, but they usually use a different type of koji or sake yeast, and uh, it's the polishing of the size of the grain. That's, that differentiates mm -hmm. it. No, for... 
I may be going off in the wrong direction with this, but to bring it into some other terminology that I very much understand and some of our listeners may understand, the polishing of the grain almost sounds to me to be not the same, but an equivalent to the roasting of the barley for beer. That's an excellent analogy. Okay. That's a really, really good analogy because there's some beers that, like, for example, like a stout or a porter where mm-hmm. the barley is almost roasted black. Yeah, like, and that totally changes the flavor and color you're getting out of the beer. Whereas the more you polish or the less you polish the rice, you're really changing the flavor of your final product. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. That is a great analogy. Yay! The sake inspired me to come up with it. Look at that. Excellent. Now make a haiku. Oh, God, I need paper to do that. <laughs> Moon viewing party. You know, I, I completely suck at poetry, but I have to admit... I am really good with haikus. Give me a piece of paper in about five minutes and I can crank out some awesome haikus on any topic. I, I genuinely, the only time I enjoyed poetry in English class was when we did haikus. You try so. the Tanaka. That's the, or sorry, Tanka. Mm. That's the slightly bigger 12, version of a haiku. It's like 12, 7 and something else. Or, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we did those two. And it's I really still liked only them. a couple lines. I think it's like five lines at the most, but they're, yeah. they're pretty cool too. And that's what people would do at these. It's a very high end, which is uh, early medieval Japanese. Or even ancient Japanese. Poetry slam? Yeah. <laughs> Samurai they, poetry slam. Or we yeah. maybe doing these cherry blossom viewing parties or nice. maple viewing parties or moon viewing parties. Awesome. They'd sit around, drink sake, and make up haiku Haikus. and tanka. That's awesome. Now, I also have to say, to geek out for a second, um, I play an online game called Kingdom of Loathing. It's horribly addictive. It's a browser be- browser-based game. In the game, one of the things you can do is donate money and you can get an item of the month. One of my all-time favorite item of the months in the game was the Haiku Katana. <laughs> and it had a, a, a mode that if you use this particular mode in battle, it converted all of your battle messages to haikus. That's awesome. <laughs> Everything you saw was in haikus. It was awesome. Still one of my all-time favorite items I've ever gotten in that game. Well, so. and to further geek out, because this is going to be a, a meandering episode, much like a Japanese garden path. I, I think that's what you should do with Saki, though. You should have meandering, chill-out, yeah. philosophical conversation, or geek conversation. Well, we just finished watching on uh, Netflix. It's an anime called Holic, and it's actually spelled X-X-X-H-O-L-I-C. And I know that makes me a filthy otaku, which is not respected in Japan, but I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> and one of the things that this time-space witch, all she does is, I want to be here when I grow up. All she does is lay around... <laughs> get drunk, smoke her pipe, and mess with people's heads. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, woo, moon viewing party! Like, any excuse to crack open some sake. Yeah. That we do want to have a moon viewing party someday, because that's pretty awesome. Yeah. So. And all it is is a party f- for the full moon. Yeah. And you have a party, and you look at the moon, you look at the moon, you, drink, you talk about you it. eat, have finger foods. Yeah. Make Japanese finger foods, get a couple platters of sushi. I'm all for it sometime. Mm-hmm. should do it this summer. I agree. Yes. So I totally derailed you from everything else we were doing with the barley to oh right shoji shoji koji koji the barley to koji equivalency so why don't you resume your thought pattern and i will break out the next sake all right oh by the way the izumi it to the best of our knowledge right now they only sell one sake in the lcbo and it is that the namacho that we had and it only comes in a 30 milliliter bottle and it's about what 14 dollars a bottle i think yeah, we had to actually go to Markham to get it, because yeah. it's not in all the LCBOs. Yeah. Best bet is to go to the, if you're in Ontario, go to the LCBO website and mm-hmm. check their product listing, because it'll tell you 
what store to go to and how many to have on hand so that you don't drive all over the place burning up dead dinosaurs looking for this stuff. Now, if you don't have it at your LCBO and you're fairly remote from the one that does have it, maybe talk to your staff and see if they can order it in for you. Mm -hmm. Chances are they might be able to order a case in and stock it and you can buy a couple. Or if you're really a sake aficionado, to be honest, if you... Well, go to Toronto, go to Azumi, try it there. You can always take a cooler of it back. You can buy some of the other ones there. They sell it by the, the Magnum. Yeah. It's expensive, get, but totally worth you it. You get the party size. <laughs> <laughs> or if you're an aficionado, you can usually order things by the case from the LCBO. Mm-hmm. And if you, you like sake, I guarantee this is worth putting out the dough if you have it to buy it. Because it yeah. really is a good sake. It's very solid. And one of the interesting... Um, points of trivia about Izumi is that it's actually owned by a dude, a Canadian fellow. I can't recall his name off the top of my head. Sorry about that. But he was actually taught and set up by a female um, brewmaster from Japan. Nice. Because remember we saw them working there? Yeah. The, with yeah. the lab coats and everything? Yeah. It, you know, it's a and tiny... And she actually just went back. So he's actually doing it on his own now. Good for him. It's a tiny little place when you walk in, but by God, it's fascinating. Mm-hmm. It, the whole thing, it's like science meets brewery. It's beautiful. I really don't have enough good things to say about the brewery or their sake. It's just that good. Like like most Japanese aesthetics, it's a combination between art and science. Where there's a certain flourish to it, but there is also a definite precision. So Form follows function with a lot of Japanese things like that, but then they take it to a second level. They take it beyond that right principle to another level once the form has followed the function. Then they say, where can we go from here? Mm -hmm. But the form never actually loses the function. Does that make sense? It totally does. I'm a total Frank Lloyd Wright geek, so... (laughs) (laughs) Okay, you resume the lesson. By the way, that was awesome. (laughs) The the Namacho from Izumi, really, really good. Really delicate tasting. All right, let me clear these out of the way. So we're using mushrooms as a palate cleanser because we don't have any plain crackers around. Just plain white sliced mushrooms and a glass of water. And it's working surprisingly well. Because you eat the mushroom, you wait a minute, rinse your mouth out with some water, mm-hmm. and it really does take away the taste of the last sake. But it's not a, it's no more a stronger of a flavor than if you had a cracker. Mm-hmm. And I think it's kind of Japanese to do that. Because white mushrooms are pretty mellow. Mm-hmm. But what's more Asian than clearing the palate with mushrooms? Mm-hmm. True that. Because it's such an integral part to um, the Asian culinary world. Yeah, definitely. So The next one I want to talk about is Genshu. And this stuff, we actually had a type of Genshu at the Izumi Distillery. Um, it's undiluted sake. Oh my god, that stuff was that awesome. That stuff is like 20% alcohol. It usually falls between 15 and 17% alcohol, but... It's got a full-bodied taste. It's an excellent choice for serving on the rocks. Namazaki, which is a special type of Genshu that is canned or bottled, just comes out of the filter. Like, they literally just pour it right into the thing. It's unpasteurized. Yeast is still active. It gives it a zesty and tart flavor. And by the way, I'm using the, the Book of Saki, which I got from a used bookstore many years ago. And it's by Hiroshi Kondo. Yeah, literally his last name is Kondo, but it's with a K. <laughs> So that stuff is pretty decent. We've had that before. It's expensive, but it is good. Okay. So now we're going to drink the... Hakatsuru. Yeah, Hakatsuru. special ones. It's the Junmai Ginjo. Mm-hmm. So this is actually the one that I was talking about, mm-hmm. that uh, it's where the rice is polished up to 60% of its original size, and they use a specific type of koji rice. That definitely has a... You know what that smells like? What? I know exactly what that smells like. Please. When I was in China, I was... 
uh, for those again who haven't listened to the last like I don't know eighty podcasts, I taught English eighty three. Excuse me, <laughs> eighty three podcasts. I taught English in China for nine months back in the year two thousand, and uh, well nineteen no two thousand to two thousand one, and um, one of the, uh, the there's a particular Chinese liquor there. It's the same thing that Mao Tai is. I don't remember the name of that type of liquor, but it, it's a rice liquor. It, mm-hmm. It's a rice spirit. And this smells like a weaker version of that. It has that kind of... It's almost like a fruity smell. Yeah, fruity. But like it's like on, It's like on the tip of your nose. Now, for somebody who's never had the Chinese spirit version of that, you're going to be like, oh, that doesn't smell bad. For those of you who've had really bad Chinese alcohol, you're going to smell that and get a little queasy. I'm going to tell you exactly what that smells like. Apple blossoms. Oh. Nope, still smells like bad Chinese alcohol. No, I'm kidding. But, um, Have you the, ever smelled a flowering apple tree? Yeah. But this is also the tree. same smell. When I was in China, the other teacher and I that were, I was with there, we um, went out to the local store, and there's this huge, huge shelf of alcohol. And we didn't speak or read at this point any Chinese. So we're just looking at the shelf, and we're like, well, what the heck do we buy? To that point where we weren't even sure what the beer was, because the beer came in giant bottles. So it looks like a wine bottle. Yeah, we're looking at these wine bottle-sized beers. We weren't sure they were beer. Had we realized they were beer at the time, we would have just came home with a 10-pack of amazing local beer that was almost a dead rigger for Killian's, believe it or mm. not. That was like my go-to beer the entire time I was there, and it was filthy cheap. We're talking it cost maybe $2 American for a 10-pack of wine bottle-sized beers. <laughs> a lot of beer. Yes, it was. And it was delicious. <laughs> so, but there's this huge alcohol shelf and um, we just grabbed one that was a middle of the road in price. And again, price wise, it was when you convert it to the American dollar, it was probably no more than five bucks. And it, tip number one is if you have to use the special glass key to break the top of the bottle off, so you ah. can't ever reseal it, ah. <laughs> the top of the bottle scored and you use this key to yeah. break it off, that's a bad sign probably. Don't drink it. Is that like wine that has a cork that immediately swells to like football size when you pull it out? Probably. <laughs> Tip number two. If you smell what sound, smells like fruit gone horribly wrong, wafting out of the neck of the bottle, probably shouldn't drink it. Like jail wine? <laughs> it, it, yeah, it was... Tip number three. Fermented ketchup. <laughs> if you probably paid less than 50 renminbi for that bottle, just don't do it. Tip number four. If you haven't had Chinese alcohol yet of this type, Wait until somebody who's a drinker tells you what to drink and breaks you in before you start tinkering around trying to find a good cheap one. Because you're only going to run into heartache. You probably bought the Chinese version of like Wild Irish Rose. I was going to say Mad Dog 2020. (laughs) It's like, if you see the homeless Chinese people underneath the bridge drinking it, that's probably what you bought, right? We we had to take it down to the hotel bartender to ask him to help us open it. And then we poured some into the hotel glasses. Did he look at you like, why the hell did you buy this? <laughs> no, but he's like, eh, it's not good, but it's not bad. And I'm like, mm. okay, how bad can it be? Because we're thinking, like, not good, not bad. Like, Vladimir Vodka. Mm. Not good, but not bad. You can do something with it. You can't mix this stuff, no matter what you do. Whereas with bad liquor here, bad vodka, bad rum, Even if you it's paint thinner it vodka, if you something. put enough orange juice in it, yeah. you can at least cover it up to taste yeah. okay. <laughs> so we, we pour it in a glass, drink a little, and we're like, oh my god, this is horrible. Tried to mix it with some Coke. That didn't work either. Tried to mix it with some orange juice. Oh, that was even a worse idea. It was like gin and juice gone horribly wrong. (laughs) So with that experience under my belt, then I was led into the world of Chinese alcohol by people who knew what they were doing. And everything after that point didn't taste nearly as bad. Mm. 
Then again, I don't think anybody took me to a dinner where the alcohol was of that low quality, too. Probably not. No. But nonetheless, now, if you want a really good experience with something like that, uh, there's something called Mao Tai. It comes in a white ceramic-looking bottle. Hideously expensive. If you want to experience a Chinese alcohol that's really good, just buy that. Just mm. save yourself the heartache and sorrow, shell out the cash, and go buy it. Because it really is smooth, and it's probably the one of the best examples I had of a good example of that particular alcohol. Mm-hmm. Uh, we drank many bottles of it that was that good. Mm. So, and like, you know, I never had a hangover off it either. Yeah. So the, the whole point of this is what those that particular category of alcohol smells like because I know it's a rice based distillation. Yeah. This is reminiscent of that. So for me, you're getting a, a wa- mouth watering reaction. Ooh. I'm getting. A weird mix of kind of mouth-watering, but wait a second, this smells like a lesson I learned in the past, and it wasn't a good one. Because of your personal past, it's a mix of curiosity and revulsion? Yeah. <laughs> but for me, I'm like, ooh, this I, smells great. I like to say I've never turned myself off of a type of alcohol, but mm-hmm. I almost came close to turning myself off of that particular Chinese alcohol. It tastes Pretty? It, it tastes like, like, the, like those alcohols, time? but without the gag reflex to kick in. But it okay. has that, that fruity back taste to it yeah that makes me go oh i don't know man this is it tastes kind of like a yellow delicious apple no well rudy tootie fresh and fruity you've ever had something tootie fruity flavored as a kid yeah like one of those candies that's long gone out of yeah business style production are you suggesting it tastes like zagnut bars no not in a good way now this is okay yeah (laughs) this is by the same company that does the red label big bottle that we get as our go-to yeah. This tastes nothing like that bottle. No, it does not. Now, I can say with a clear conscience, this is not to my taste. It's not bad. Hmm. But this is I'm not to my taste. I'm drinking it just fine. Yeah, you like it. <laughs> but because of my experiences with that flavor set, mm-hmm. I'm like, um, I'm going to go back to the Yazumi. Not so much. Okay. If this had been my first sake experience, I would not be a happy camper because it has a very distinct taste. Mm-hmm. It's good. It's just, again, knowing what we have in the fridge and sake and knowing what we have on the table, there's no point in me drinking the rest of it. You can definitely enjoy it because I know you like this one. Yeah. So. And this is one of the ones that uh, usually always you get it in a uh, sake pack. Yeah. From the LCBO. Because mm-hmm. if I got the um, Sayuri Nigori Cloudy Sake, there was this, the Hakatsuru um, Junmai Ginjo, and then they also have the Hakatsuru Draft Sake. Which I really like. Which is a definite, the, the bottle is sealed. It looks like the top of a can of Spam. Where you're like, you pop open the key and yeah. like pull it off and you can't reseal it. So Yeah, you're committed to finish the bottle. But it's a small bottle. Uh, this, and if you get the three pack, the equivalent bottles are all 300 milliliters. Yeah. And these are about what? 7 to $10 in the LCBO, depending yeah, on which exactly. one you get. Like this one is the more expensive one because mm-hmm. it's the better quality one. But here we go again where yeah. it's really, really good quality, but it's not necessarily to your taste. Correct. Not to my taste. It's definitely to Sheila's taste, so mm. go with it. But you see these in all of the LCBOs. I oh, haven't yeah. been in one Super yet popular. that doesn't have it. It's a blue frosted bottle, and it's got a, it's got a waterfall and some flowering fruit tree on it. Classical Japanese-looking yeah, exactly. paintings on the front of the label. And again, you can get it at any LCBO, and I would hazard you could probably get it in a lot yeah. of American liquor stores, too. And it's, again, it's by Hakutsuru, and it's got the, uh, the stylized crane on it. Mm-hmm. So, moving on, there's also the uh, Teru Saki, which is the cask Saki, which is aged in the wooden casks. So it gets that color and aroma and flavor from the woods. The best wood for these 
are usually made out of uh, Japanese cypresses, which kind of taste a little bit like cedar. Mm. Okay. Um, then there's the ki ippon, which, uh, if it's labeled with this term, the sake has to have been produced entirely by the company that markets it. So it's a pure undiluted sake from a specific area. So, for example, if uh, it was Nada no Kipon, sorry, Kiipon, then that would be sake from Nada, the region of Nada. Koshu is literally old sake, and it's sake that's been aged for at least two to three years before being bottled. Now, I just want to interject about the aging. One of the mm -hmm. things that struck me on the Izumi bottle is it says on there, you know, Ontario's freshest sake because it's made here. Mm -hmm. So I would imagine unless they're specifically aging it, you want fresh sake. Mm -hmm. Or as fresh as you can get. Like yeah. beer. You want fresh beer. You don't need to age beer. Unless it's made specifically so that it is for aging, mm -hmm. you want fresh sake that's been kept uh, in a dark, cool place, mm -hmm. much like wine. Because it's kind of, it's it's a live product, right? But it's not going to age in the bottle like wine. No. So that's where the wine analogies end. Sake, buy it and drink it. Don't put it down and say, this was a very good year for rice because it's not mm -hmm. like a grape. Nope. Okay. The next one is one of my favorite kinds is the Nigori sake which is cloudy or impure sake, and basically it's filtered through an uh, open-weave sack so that it, some of the particles of the rice in the koji are suspended in it, giving it a cloudy appearance. That's like the pink bottle, right? Yep. The Hatsukuro uh, Hakutsuro pink bottle, which is the twin to the blue one that we just had, that, or rather the bottle's blue, not the sake. Yeah. That is definitely one that is also not to my taste. Sheila adores it. It's delicious. It's cool, though, because it comes in this really pretty bottle, and you shake it up. You mm. have to shake it before you pour it, and it looks cool when you pour it. And every time she has it, I'm like, let me taste it and make sure I don't like it. And eventually, I'm going to retrain my taste buds to enjoy it, because mm -hmm. I keep tasting yours. Let's see. We've only got two more types of sake to go through. The Kijoshu sake is produced whenever they replace half of the water used in brewing with sake. So it's like <laughs> uber sake. It's extremely heavy and sweet usually serves as an aperitif. I'm thinking it's going to be kind of like an ice wine. Yeah, yeah. Where it would be very, it would have huge legs on it. Like oh, yeah. Like 1920s cabaret style or like legs. like a port. Like <laughs> yeah, a port. or like a port, yeah. It's, it's replaced with sake. It's like, we've replaced Linda's normal water for her coffee with caffeinated water. Let's see if she notices. Meanwhile, Linda's pinging all over the room yeah. like a ping pong ball, you know? <laughs> And then the last type of sake to discuss is wine-type sake. It's marketed as rice wine, and this is sake that's actually made with wine yeast. So there's Usually, no koji at all, then. There's no koji at all. And it has a fragrance similar to a young white wine. Usually they use a combination of sake yeast and sherry yeast. They breed those together in an alien hybrid kind of way, and that's what they use to make it. And I lied, there's one more in this book. Oh, maybe I have seen a, an example of this. You'll, you'll be able to tell. The Akai sake or novelty sakes also known as red sake, and instead of using yellow koji, they use red koji to produce it. So it does have a bright red hmm. color, but it tastes the same as regular sake. It's uh, just a marketing gimmick, basically. So, again, the analogy for wines definitely ends at color. Red and white sakes are going to taste the same. Yeah. So I've, we haven't run into that one yet. I thought I saw some sort of Might like have. novelty sake at the LCBO, but... More on that later, I guess, when I figure it out. Yeah. So I'm going to put the uh, the Hakutsuro Junmai Ginjo back in the fridge. Mm -hmm. That is so your job to finish that one later. Okay, I can do that. So this next one is one that's a favorite on a medieval, a Japanese medieval reenactment board called Tosando. It's called Wandering Poet, and it's supposed to be like one of the best, or one of the, one of the board members' favorites. 
Sheila has been lusting after trying this sake for, I am not exaggerating, probably three to four years. And let me just check out the, uh, the Japanese name on that, Rihaku. And it says on here, the poet Rihaku would drink a big bottle of sake and then write a hundred poems. So, <laughs> way to go, Rihaku. Now they don't say on the bottle if anybody actually wanted to read those poems after he drank all that sake and wrote them. But nonetheless. So this one actually has Shimani prefecture written on it and the rice is from uh, Yamada Nishiki which is interesting and it says learn more at isaki.com I believe I will thank you and sake we will, bottle <laughs> we will post links later now this just like the one we just had the um sahakatsuru mm -hmm. it comes in a 300 milliliter bottle this one is green it also tells you when it's brewed on the label which I like which is pretty cool actually it's well, this one was brewed back in um April, April 2011, 2011 so it's not quite a year old which is good Let's see what we think. To wax philosophical here for a second, mm. one of the things I find infinitely interesting is when we made that shift as a society from the 1700s until the almost 2000s, if it came from further away and it was more expensive, it was deemed better. We've totally swung the pendulum back the other way. What's local is better because it didn't travel forever mm -hmm. and possibly spoil on the way. I really, really love the Izumi. Not only because it's great tasting, but it is local. Yeah. But all these things came from Japan. I would love to try sake in Japan just to see if it tastes the same as it does here. The Heineken principle. Yeah. Or the Guinness principle. The Guinness principle, yes. That uh, We've been told, we have not been to uh, Amsterdam, nor have we been to Ireland, that Guinness and Heineken, or the Netherlands and um, Ireland, Guinness and Heineken taste completely different in their home countries. We would like to test that. I can tell you right now that um, Qingdao, the Chinese beer, mm -hmm. tastes completely different in China versus here. So it tastes better. Yeah. Because so, it hasn't traveled on a leaky boat or it doesn't have the recipe made here with slightly different local ingredients, that kind of thing. Right. Well, it hasn't been sitting on the docks in the sun waiting to be loaded, mm -hmm. been cooled down at sea, possibly almost close to frozen, Yeah. depending on the time of year it's being transported, sat on the docks again, in the sunlight, around, yeah, you know, or heated up in a shipping container. Now we do, should also point out that Sapporo actually has a um, it's licensed to be brewed in Canada now. It's brewed in Guelph. Yeah. So if you do drink Sapporo in Canada, you're drinking a Canadian-made beer. So it's definitely going to taste different than it would in Japan, simply because they're using local ingredients now. It's you, made to the same specifications underneath the mm -hmm. supervision of a Japanese brewmaster, but but the taro uh, taro. Terra, the terroir, the terroir is going to be different mm -hmm. because it's Canada is not an island. Exactly, <laughs> and our soil composition is different. Our water composition is different. Even though they're probably using distilled water, it's still going to make something of a difference. Mm -hmm. So keep that in mind as well when you drink some of these beers in specific mm -hmm. that are licensed to be brewed in their home country. They're not imported from the mother country. But still, I'd almost rather have them made here. Under yes. the supervision of their parent company. Yes. Because that way, you're getting a fresher product. You're getting a better beer. Yeah. And I will personally say I, the ideal world is I get to drink it made in my home country, but when I go to that country, I get to try the real thing. True So that. here we go. Wandering Poet. It's, it smells good. You know, it's I, still a little bit more uh, pale yellow Yeah. than the other ones. The other ones, we forgot to talk about clarity entirely. The other ones were pretty clear. This one actually has a little bit of a pale yellow to it. It looks almost like, uh, to go back to the chrysanthemum thing, it looks almost mm. like chrysanthemum tea. If yeah. you brew chrysanthemum tea, it comes out very pale yellow. This has almost... It smells like sake. This it has almost no scent at all to me. It has that faint sake smell. It doesn't have the mouth-watering, fruity, ugh. It's very sharp. It yeah. has a nice a bit of acid to it. Oh, that's good. It's got a nice uh, 
crispness. That is good. Like the difference between a Macintosh apple and a Golden Delicious mm -hmm. apple. This takes the flavor, what I call sake flavor, I'm making air quotes here, sake flavor. This takes that and presents it in the sharpest picture ever. This would be, I guess, a dry sake then. This tastes like what sake tastes like, but there's no confusion with anything else. The other ones have like faint sake taste to them and they're mm. good. This is sake, capital letters, bold print, underlined, exclamation points, everything. Possibly with lines reading in the background. And things blinking around it. I mean, this this is good. And for being a, uh, a Junmai Ginjo compared to the other Junmai Ginjo we just had, mm -hmm. they taste nothing alike. Yeah. That's interesting. And it, it just must be, well, obviously there's secret formulas and stuff involved, mm -hmm. but maybe part of that is also the terroir of mm -hmm. where it's made. Yeah. That in the particular prefecture where this is from, the rice tastes different because mm -hmm. of rain or soil composition or whatever. It could be the koji they're using. It could yeah. be a different type of koji. It could be a different type of rice. Who knows? But um, I'd also like to point out that this is, of all the sakis we've had tonight, this is the most expensive one. Mm -hmm. This one is normally just under $18 a bottle for a 300 milliliter bottle. Yes, I said $18, $18. for 300 milliliters. Mm -hmm. Usually that's pricey for alcohol, for usually something that's a wine usually level it's alcohol. Up to 10 yeah. for a 300 milliliter bottle of sake. 12 and you're kind of pushing it. Um, I will personally say it's worth it every penny. We did luck out tonight. We went to go pick it up and they did have it on sale for $3 off. Woo! Mm -hmm. So awesome. I would totally get that again, even at full price. Mm -hmm. So we have to stock up. <laughs> yeah, because that, <laughs> it, it's sake. I wouldn't want to heat this up because I'd be no, afraid no, no. it would get sharper. Yeah. And this... I don't want to mellow it because I like what it tastes like. Yeah, exactly. But I it's think great. It's, it's an example of a smaller bottle may be better because I don't know if I could drink much more than a 300 milliliter bottle or split one with you. Right. And it's because of the, uh, the acid in it. I'm glad that we're drinking out of little sake cups mm -hmm. rather than a giant bowl of Chardonnay sake. glass, you know. <laughs> My Chardonnay bowl, I mean wine glass, mm -hmm. as some of them have gotten nowadays. They've gotten out of control, yeah. Now, I don't know what direction you wanted to go in next with it, but I'd like to talk about drinking vessels. Oh, because sure. Because there are some important things to look at for sake for drinking. We can talk about whatever you want. Now, throughout the evening, um, we've actually used three different drinking vessels for our sake. Well, we've used a... Three. Okay, well, we've used a clean glass for each one. Yes, we did use a clean one. We actually have that many sake vessels around that we could have a clean one for each one. Yeah, we're, we're big geeks. But um, we started out with, these are totally not traditional sake glasses. They were something we we scored at HomeSense, one of the mm -hmm. local Canadian uh, home stores. Uh, it's by Bodum, the same people who make the awesome coffee presses. And they're these cute little, what would you say, three-ounce glasses, two-ounce glasses? Yeah, they look like, um, <clears throat> they're like espresso cups mm -hmm. with uh, little uh, silicone bands around them. With nubby bits. That are like grippy, yeah. yeah. And we picked up a set of those, two of them for $5, and we used those for the warm sake. I was excited to get those because we've had warm sake out of our sake set before, and it gets a little burny once in a while. It gets a little warm. Yeah, on hands. because the the porcelain is very delicate and kind of thin, mm -hmm. so that can you shouldn't serve sake piping hot. You should just serve it warmed. Yeah, um, but yeah, it does get kind of burny. Yeah, so that those were awesome. They had a nice wide uh, mouth to them. 
Mm-hmm. So they were really good for us to be able to get a smell with yeah. it because we were tasting it for the purpose of tasting it, not just drinking sake because it tastes good. Mm-hmm. So that was nice as well. If you happen to live in an area where you can get your hands on a couple of those and you really enjoy so- warm sake, definitely recommend them. Really mm-hmm. awesome. Totally worth it. I think they're, normally they're at 10 bucks for two. Still worth yeah. the price. So we got a, a steal as being half off, but you can definitely check Value Village, check HomeSense. And all those discounted places to see if you can find mm-hmm. any sort of espresso cups to drink your hot sake out of. Yeah, I have a feeling those are on their way out. Maybe double-walled cups would probably be just as good. Yeah. And the nice part is because of the the wider mouth, you're going to get more of the aromas. Whereas with a traditional quote-unquote sake set, mm-hmm. you have the little skinny mouth and you're not getting as much of the aroma. You really have to stick your nose in it. Yeah. So, moving on. And we'll take pictures and put them up on the Facebook so everybody can see what we're talking about. Because mm-hmm. visuals are awesome. The second set we used were the Izumi souvenir glasses, and they're a wider mouth as well, just like the Bodum glasses, and they're on little tiny stems, and again, they probably hold, what, 50 milliliters? Yeah, probably. And they're awesome. They're great for chilled sakis. You get, it's like a wine glass effect, but this is mm-hmm. strong juju. You want to drink it in small increments anyway. Mm-hmm. You want to sip it. You don't want to chug your sake like a beer. So I really enjoy using those glasses, and I'm sure the next time we go back to Izumi, We'll get some more. We'll find a reason to pick up your feet. <laughs> well, when you do a flight there, it's only a few bucks more to actually buy the glass. So why, why not? not? <laughs> you know? The third glass we use for the evening is from our sake set, which is very tacky. Uh, it has all these different kinds of uh, sushi silk screened onto it. Mm-hmm. And I love it. Mm-hmm. I don't care how cheesy they are. It totally says um, Gaijin Sushi uh, fan. But hey, we love sushi anyway. They're they're tacky. We got them at uh, the pottery place. It's not at Pacific Mall anymore. They've moved out. They're at another location, which we have to find. But, you know, they're fun. We bought them specifically for a sake party we had. Mm -hmm. And they came with two crafts. The crafts are nice if you're going to be heating a lot of sake in quantity because you can heat the bottles up, pour them into the crafts, and pass the crafts around. So you're not trying to keep a whole bottle warm. You can keep the bottle in the warmer and go. Yeah, and for warming sake, I totally recommend a small crock pot. Mm-hmm. Or if you're doing multiple bo- bottles, just go with a regular size crock pot. Yep. Turn it up to high, fill it with boiling, well, halfway up with boiling water. Mm-hmm. Open up your sakis, put them in, let them get to a warm temperature, and then turn it down to... Just warm, just really, warm. yeah. You don't even need it that hot. Yeah, if it gets a little cool, you can always crank it up for a few minutes and turn it back down. Mm-hmm. I do recommend... Not because I'm worried about the glass shattering, but I do recommend, um, one, bringing the bottles to room temperature before you put them in there, and two, um, putting down like a, a cloth in the bottom if you're going to be doing that all night, just so you're not clinking the bottles on the bottom of the crock pot all night. Yeah. Kind of thing. For traction, you might want to put a, a tea towel mm-hmm. or a uh, dishcloth in the bottom if you're using one of the bigger ones, mm-hmm. just so it doesn't slide around all over the place. Or even just a couple paper towels at the bottom. They're not gonna, mm-hmm. You're not going to run into fire hazards because they're in water. Mm-hmm. We also happen to have a crock pot that came with one of the little tiny dip crock pots that have, they don't have a dial on it, it's just a little warmer. If you're just doing one bottle at a time or one bottle period, that's great. Little tiny... You plug it in, throw the hot boiling water in it, put the sake bottle in it, walk away. 
Mm -hmm. You don't have to worry about it. You don't have to think about it. It'll bring it up to temperature, and then it'll hold it at a good drinkable temperature. Yeah, definitely. And you're not going to overheat your sake. Whereas if you're doing crazy things with boiling water on the stove... Yeah, I don't you... necessarily trust that, especially if you're drinking sake. Yeah. <laughs> After a bottle or two with your friends, you're going to start boiling the sake, and that's, that's not, not good. good. Now, we do use some other drinking vessels for sake. Mm. Um, Sheila also has a giant version of our little tiny sake cups for tea. But we've also used it for sake. It's a demi tasse. <laughs> well, the demi tasse as well as the giant sake version, the sushi version. Oh, cup. right. Yeah. It looks like the big brother to the little cups. So it's for when you're feeling like a glutton and you don't want to have to refill your cup all the time. <laughs> that is for swilling sake. But it works. Any any mug that will hold hot liquids works for sake, to be honest. Mm -hmm. As long as there aren't any lingering flavors from previous beverages. Yeah. So if you have your favorite coffee mug that you use every morning and night... Don't use it because you probably have coffee stains in it and it probably smells like coffee. Break out the stuff you only use for guests that gets used like twice a year and is probably scent free. Mm -hmm. If not, clean it really well and then use it. There's also... Um, the holy grail of yeah, sake cups. There's also these little cedar boxes called masu and they were traditionally one ration worth of rice for a person for a whole day. Mm -hmm. And the cedar imparts a really nice flavor to sake. You wouldn't think it would make a difference, but it totally does. I need to get a new masu because mine's actually leaky because it's made without any nails or anything. Everything is just, uh, uses dovetail joinery yeah. together. I also have a theory why that happened. Because we've been putting hot and cold sake in your box. Mm. And yeah. I have a feeling we swelled and shrank the joints by doing that. So you might want to buy two next time and have a hot one and a cold one and yeah. see how they fare. And I'm willing to bet the hot one actually has a masu failure first. Yeah. So. I should probably only use it for just the, the cold stuff, the good quality sake that I'm going to drink yeah. chilled or at room temperature. No, Sheila told me about these things, and I thought she is pulling my leg here. She just wants to go out and buy some special little Japanese food implement thing. <laughs> I will humor her. Let's go to Pacific Mall, buy you a masu, whatever. So we go buy like a $12 cedar box. I look at it, I'm like, $12 piece of wood, are you kidding me? Okay, whatever, <laughs> you're happy, let's go home. She had sake in it the first time, and I tasted it. One, drinking out of a little box is hard. You kind of have to drink out of the corner carefully. Yeah. Two, oh my god, does it make a difference? It, it took okay quality sake and made it taste amazing. It just elevates it. I can't wait to try like the Wandering Poet out of mm -hmm. that, or some Izumi sake out of it. That's gonna blow our minds. Yeah. Because it's just that good. It mellows out the harshness, but it kind of... It imparts its own yeah. flavor, too. Yeah. But it's a complementary flavor oh. as well. You were talking about that one version of sake that it's brewed with the cedar. It brewed... It's brewed and the then cedar. it's aged in the uh, cypress casks. Yeah. That's gotta be killer. Yeah. You know? It's gonna be amazing. <laughs> Definitely have to try to get her hands on some of that. So, yes, um, what you drink it out of can make a difference, but just like, you know, wine snobs will sit there and say you need this type of wine glass for this wine, this type for the other wine, drink it out of what you like. If you have a really cool mug that you really like, go for it. Mm -hmm. If you happen to have over, you live near a large Asian population and you can get your hands on some really cool stuff like we have, mm -hmm. do it. it. We have paid a pittance for what we have to drink sake out, to be honest. Nothing has cost more than Masu, and that was like 12 bucks. Yeah. Again, not a big deal. So we should probably move on to Oshinbo. Yes. I guess this makes up for the short episode last week. Yeah. <laughs> so where do you want to start with Oshinbo? The book's still kind of a blur to me. Uh, what really struck me, though, is Oshinbo, now that I've read other books since we started reading the series, 
it really strikes me because of the similarities between what it preaches and Michael Pollan mm -hmm. and the hundred mile movement and the local war movement. And this, they, they talk about one, not diluting it, the evils of the diluted sake. And that's why mm -hmm. it tastes like crap. You get the real sake and it tastes good. And how it's stored. Mm -hmm. That is just kind of thrown out there on the shelf in the harsh lighting. Whereas a lot of the sakis, like the, uh, the unpasteurized namacho from Izumi need to be refrigerated. You can't just leave that out on the shelf. No. It's not a shelf-stable product because it's still got live yeast in it. And if you treat it poorly, it will not be good. Yeah. I mean, that also struck me as well. But the, the um, emphasis so much, more so in this one, I think, than any of the other ones, of the difference the ingredients make in your mm -hmm. product. The, the contrast between our sake doesn't have the alcohol added, and that's why it's good. Yeah. You've only, the one character, you've only ever had this sake that had the horrible crap added to it. That's why you don't like sake. That's why it makes you feel crap. Try yeah. this. And there that's was the what one, takes it. There was the one character that was Japanese but went to France on business and spent like mm -hmm. 10 or 20 years over there in France. Was a total wine aficionado. And when he came back to Japan, he's like, ah, oh, all sakes are crap, blah, 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 blah. And it's because the sakes that he had were made poor quality and they were stored improperly. Mm -hmm. There is also, um, the other thing from Oishimbo, the sake book that I'd like to talk about is sake and food. It talks about how a lot of white wines that are traditionally paired with fish would be better replaced with sake. The sodium in the white wines, it makes the fish taste fishier. Mm -hmm. And it was also talking about how caviar is sometimes paired with white wine, but it doesn't really, it makes it taste fishy. Uh, it's sometimes paired with vodka traditionally, but you can't really go chugging a glass of vodka while you're eating usually yeah but sake goes perfect with <laughs> say unless you're barber from ukraine then you exactly. can chug as much vodka with your caviar as you want i'm not gonna stop you oh jesus um but they said that sake was a a great pair for caviar and in fact all kinds of fish dishes when we finally decide to get some good caviar get our hands on some not just the stuff they have at loblaws mm -hmm. i really want to do some corticia vodka with it and I want to do some Wandering Poet and Izumi with it. Yeah. I think that would be a killer combo to try it out. On blinis with sour cream. Yes. <laughs> some homemade blinis and sour cream. Totally want to check that out. Yay. Yeah, that'd be awesome. And I'd like to take this moment while Sheila's looking at her note and reviewing what she'd prepared for this, that there is a distinct difference you can see between her style and my style in podcasting. I fly by the seat of my pants. Sheila is methodical. She highlights. She takes notes. She prepares. I fly by the seat of my pants. If I didn't, I'd just be sitting here looking at you. And drooling. And uh. the fact, whenever you listen to podcasts and I'm just sitting there silently listening to you, it's because I haven't prepared anything. <laughs> or I'm just not letting you talk because I like the sound of my own voice. There could be that as well. Uh, the only other point that I really wanted to talk about was the, um, the literary guy that talked about how Japan has no good hard liquor. And there is this rice spirit called Awamori. Also, uh, kuzu. I think kuzu is a type of awamori. And it saves the day, and it can be aged for over 100 years. Do you remember that stuff where like, yeah. they were dipping it out? Like, when they took a ladleful out, they put a ladleful, like, say, for example, if it was the 100-year one. If they took a ladleful of the 100-year-old one out, they'd ladle in some 90-year-old. It would always maintain the level. It would always maintain the level, but you end up getting this really good blended over a century... It's like a crazy um, blended scotch. Mm -hmm. It's like never-ending blend. That's yep. kind of cool, actually. Exactly. 
I would totally try that. We need to go to Japan. I would Japan. definitely try that. We totally need to go to Japan. If there are any rich philanthropists who would love <laughs> to send us to Japan, we www.zwifatchicks.podbean.com or you can email us at zwifatchicks at gmail.com. Please. We would love to go to Japan and talk about rich Japanese philanthropists. We would love yes. to talk about how awesome your country is because we really like the food and alcohol there. Just saying. What else about Oishinbo? Uh, that's about it. I mean, again, just like all the other Oishinbos we've read in the series, it's a great read. Mm. You get a little bit of the plot. It's a little disjointed some of the time because they are gathering from the last, what, 30 years worth of Oishinbo yeah. to put together the sake ones to put in this compilation. But it's fun. Definitely worth the money. Uh, I feel a lot more educated about sake after reading this. Mm-hmm. And I feel even more educated about sake after listening to you talk about it because you break it down in ways I can understand it. If I had sat down and tried to read that other sake book, I would be asleep after page 20. And mm-hmm. that's saying something, because I have read some really boring stuff in my time. So That's actually a really good book. Now that you actually know a little bit about sake, mm-hmm. I'd suggest you pick it up. Yeah. I'll give it a shot sometime when I'm feeling in the mood for some nonfiction. Mm. But what did you really take out of this book that you really liked besides what you've mentioned? Anything else? No? I like that's it. Don't look at me to do any more, woman. I have spent. Saki Mojo is gone. Yeah. I really, 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 really want to say thank you for you being the sake expert because this is something where I know, what I know about it is because of my time with you. Otherwise, I'd sit there and say, eh, it's some Japanese drink that tastes good sometimes with sushi. The reason why I take notes is because I don't have the names memorized. I could say, oh yeah, that's the one that the rice is polished this much, or mm-hmm. oh yeah, that's the one that's aged for so long, but... I really want to sound like <laughs> I know what I'm talking about, for one. And I don't want to confuse people that are listening to the podcast. I want to make sure I give them the right information mm-hmm. first. Well, I appreciate it because you took a topic that I would look at and say, eh, I give up. And you, you really broke it down well. So good job. Part of that's probably from my brewing and beer-loving ways. Yeah. <laughs> so of the uh, four we had tonight, what was your favorite? Ooh. We had the Hakatsuru, um, Junmai Ginjo, the Wandering Poet Junmai Ginjo, the Junmai regular old-fashioned show Chikubai, and the Izumi awesomeness. To be honest, I gotta go with Izumi because it's my home province. Yeah. And I love Ontario. I know that people are like, oh, Ontario is the center of the universe, ha ha ha, but I'm proud of what we can do in our province as far as producing food. And the close second would be the Shochiko Bai because it tastes like the Hakutsuru orange label, but hasn't been right eaten. the bottle, yeah. Yeah. A Wandering Poet is great, and I would totally love having that with some food mm-hmm. because it's got that really nice crispness to it. Well, I liked it all, to be honest, but <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you why I liked it, though, at least. And I like the other one, um, the Hakutsuru, the Hakutsuru Junmai Ginjo, because it has a different flavor than the regular stuff. I, I could drink any of these anytime on different occasions. You see, the Hakutsuru Junmo, uh, Junmai Ginjo, we've already established is not to my taste. Right. It's not bad. It's just not. It's me. It's not it. I'm breaking up with it. It's yeah. me, not you. Um, I totally go with the Izumi for my top for the night. Yeah. It it's killer. It's just awesome. We've had it twice now. Once at the distillery, once from the bottle from the LCBO. Both times it's just been awesome. Mm -hmm. I was absolutely floored by the show Chiku Bai. That was really good for the price we paid for it. It was, what, $12 for a large bottle of it? Yeah. For the price, it's awesome. Mm -hmm. You're really getting a bargain with that. 
I like The Wandering Poet, but then I look at the $17 price tag, $18 price tag, and I say, you are for when I am in the doghouse with Sheila and I need to get myself out somehow. Hmm. It's a special occasion sake, is what you're saying. <laughs> yes! But the no, once it's... every five years sake. <laughs> well, no, but it's not going to be the, eh, let's get together and have a few sakes with our friends and take two bottles over. Yeah. We're not going to take two of these little 300 milliliter bottles to share that's going to cost almost $40. True. We're going to take two of these um, 750 milliliter bottles of the Shochiku mm. to share that's great without us having to bother to heat it up and take our, our warmer with us. Yeah. I hope they have a crock pot. That is a party sake. Yes. That's going to be what we take when we go to a friend's place and we want a party and we want sake for them. And night. let's face it, sake is meant to be shared. It is. So, <laughs> a total, that's like the surprise sake yeah. for the night. Um, we did grab earlier um, a sake from California. And yeah. It was only $7.50 a bottle. And let me grab the name of that. Talk about that for a second. Well, we grabbed it and took it over to a friend's place. We did serve it warm. We didn't drink it at room temperature. And it was surprisingly good. It tasted a lot like the Hakutsuru, but it was a little bit more mellow. And for the price, you really can't touch it. It's hard to find a bottle of wine for that price to begin with, let alone a bottle of sake. It was one of the big bottles. Too. Yeah, it was a, a 750 milliliter bottle. And I think all of us that had it enjoyed it, all three of us. We really liked it. The fourth person was not into sake, so he, he drank a little to be polite, and then he said, eh, it's not to my taste, it's not the sake, it's me. I just don't like sake that much, but I thought I'd give it a shot. And he gets props for giving it a shot anyway. And I've run out of things to say about it. Sorry. No, it's okay, take your time. So, while well, Sheila is off looking up the, uh, the name of that California sake, what I'm going to do is bust out the leaky masu, and I'm going to pour a little of the shochiku into it. That sounds like a great pub name, Leaky Masu. <laughs> Leaky Masu, yeah. I'm going to pour a little bit of, of the Shochiku into it. I'm going to give it a shot, room temperature, out of the cedar box that's supposed to make everything taste amazing. Mmm. And again, try that. it is even better out of the Masu. So let me just turn it away from the leaky part. There we go. Look at that. Oh, the whole thing's leaking now. Look at that. Good stuff. I'm sorry. I believe we will also try to find some care and feeding of the Masu online and maybe post it up for everybody. Sounds like it. So that was the Ozeki sake that's actually made in California. And it's only $7.95 for a big mm -hmm. bottle. I think it was 50 cents off when we bought it. They had one of their little sales. The oh, random wow. discounting that happens at the LCBO. Is yeah. that the Wandering Poet? No, that's the Shochiku. Oh, I'm in love again. <laughs> that's the cheap one. Out of the Masu. Thank you, Masu. Yeah, that's good stuff. She's hugging the Masu right now. So, anything else you want to add? I don't think so. Hopefully, we'll be doing another sake episode some point soon and have four more new sakis to review and mm -hmm. wax philosophical about. We should actually uh, maybe go down to Izumi again and Buy some either more sake? take the recorder with us if they wouldn't mind us mm -hmm. recording at the bar or take my notepad and make some copious notes. Definitely. So, this is Tracy. And this is Sheila, and we are Zvi Fat Chicks. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed the Zvi Fat Chicks podcast. Please add us as a friend on Facebook and or follow us on Twitter. You can email your comments, questions, or suggestions to ZviFatChicks at gmail.com. That's Z-W-E-I-F-A-T-C-H-I-C-K-S at gmail.com. Our theme music is Hot Swing by Kevin McLeod. Our podcasts, like Mr. McLeod's music, are protected under a Creative Commons attribute copyright. You can make copies of our shows and share them with friends. Please make sure that credit is given. Thanks for listening and have a great day.